This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. You know, people ask me from time to time, um, you know, how do you know what series or what you're on preach? And I don't. That's, that's uh, I want to say, I don't know. I get before God. And this particular time, I've had a little something in my heart. I thought a series we would do on eternity. And um, I keep getting stopped on it. And God will drop something in my heart. And he did this. Ellen and I were talking. And we were talking about something we used to call a quality decision. Or a decision you can't turn back from. And just that conversation, something sparked in me. And um, actually, Friday night started unfolding some. And that's why I'm going to minister this, this morning to you. I believe it's a word from God that will help you. And it, it's really something that um, it, I'm calling it the power of a predetermined mindset. The power of a predetermined mindset. Or you've made your mind up on some things pre, before you experience or go through it. You'll see it as a message uh, unfolds. But that there's power in this, making some decisions before you face, you face some things. And I want to begin in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Very familiar scripture to us. For I know the thoughts, this is God speaking, that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Aren't you glad God wants to give you a future? You have a future in God. If you're connected with God, He has a future in store for you. And it's called abundant life. It's, it's called uh, His destiny and his, his dream for your life. He has a purpose for you. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. You know God wants the very best for our lives. That he created you with a, a purpose, an assignment in this earth that only you can fulfill. You know, only you. I'm amazed when we think about the snowflake that no snowflake is the same. They're all different. Well, we're all different. And we all have an assignment, a purpose from God that makes us unique. That no one else can do but us. And God is in love with us. If he's in love with us, maybe we should listen to what he has to say. And put that in place in our life. It, makes, it, it takes a decision to take the word of God and say, I'm going to actively embrace that word and put it in my life. But he has good plans for us. And this, this plan includes, like I said, a successful life. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to experience abundant life or life to the fullest. That's what he wants for each of us. And that's what he has purposed. And, you know, we sing that song, God is a good father. He is a good father. He's a perfect father. And, and that... In itself, when you know he is a good father and he loves you and he's perfect, 
That means I can trust Him. I can put my life in His hands. And I can trust Him with my today and my future. I want to look at this today. Uh, this power uh, of choices or the pre When my mind's made up type decisions. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 13. It says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad the way that leads to destruction. There are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. And when you look up that word difficult in verse 14, just a little side note, it means a narrow constrained way. Really, I think the difficult way is to live a life of iniquity. The life of rebellion against God. I think that's the most difficult way to live. But this is a narrow way. And it would be difficult because it's against everything around us usually. What the world is saying and culture is saying. But I want you to see there's two pathways. There's two, two pathways set before us. The first one is the broad way. And it leads to death. And that's the way most people are going. And then there's the narrow way, which leads to life. And these two ways are in the earth, and we choose. Now, even after you accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, those two paths still exist. Those two pathways still exist in your life. And you still have to choose... The narrow way, the word way, what God says, his precepts, his principles, his promises. You still have to make a decision to accept those. Or you can find yourself, even as a Christian, going down the broad way, fitting in with the world and not having that intimate relationship with God. That's what we're after. That's what we want. And you can have. So these two paths are before everyone, and we have to choose which one we will take. It's interesting in this verse, you know, if you desire to go to heaven, you cannot go the broad way. You've got to go the narrow way. If you want to be normal, you'll go to hell. It's an elite group that go to heaven, an elite group, and what have they done? They've, they've accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord of their life and they're on this narrow road and they're going his way. We think everyone's going to get saved but Jesus said there's going to be a lot more who are not saved than are. So we have to make some choices. We have to make some decisions in light of this narrow way what God is saying to us. In Deuteronomy Chapter 30, verse 19. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Proverbs 12, 28. And the way of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. Jeremiah 21, 8. Now you shall say to this people, thus says the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. So there's a question here. Do you believe the Bible enough to make all your decisions based on its guidance? 
Do you love God and trust Him enough that the book that He has given us, that we're going to make our decisions based on what He says? When you do that, you're choosing the narrow way and it leads to life. It leads to blessing and the favor of God. It causes, really, you're being humble then and the grace of God will abound towards you and flood your life. How many want that way? You have to make a decision. I make a decision when I read the Word and something's there that does not line up with my life I'm going to do everything in my power to line up with that. But I know my power is lacking. I can get on his grace and his ability. And he carries me the rest of the way. He's just looking for a willing person to say, I'm willing, God. My will. He's looking for our will to be turned over to him. So I choose to give my will to him. What do I receive back? His ability to fulfill the very thing that lines up with His Word. He gives me the strength and the ability to do it. If I'm waiting to make that decision, reading the Word, and I can't do this particular thing, if I'm waiting on my strength and my power, I'll be waiting a long time. Because I have no confidence in my own strength and my own power. But I have confidence in the Lord. Because I know He's a good Father. I know he sent his Holy Spirit to live on the inside of me. And his grace is abounding towards me. So I have his ability. He's just wanting me to say, yes, God. He's just wanting me to agree with him. And he gives me his strength and his power to fulfill the word. For that narrow way to be my pathway. Where life is flowing towards me. And blessing and favor. That's what we want in our lives. An example would be a Christian who is single. May it be attracted to a person who is an unbeliever. But the word of God says we're not to be in covenant with an unbeliever. So a decision has to be made. Do I trust that God is a good father? Do I trust that his word is absolute truth? Do I trust that he wants the best for me? Do I trust that he created me and has a purpose and destiny for my life? Do I trust that enough to say no to this and yes to God? Trusting him that he has my life and he'll take care of me. Tough decision sometimes. But what if you made that decision on the front end? What if you made the decision, I will not date or court whatever an unbeliever. I don't care how good they look. I don't care how that Corvette looks and how shiny it is. I don't care how good he looks in those skinny jeans. I don't care. God says this. He has somebody else for me. It may not be a Corvette. (laughs) He may not wear skinny jeans, but he looks good. Because God's got me. You have to make that decision on the front end. Don't wait till you're in the middle of it. It's tough then. Don't make a decision that I'm going on a diet. I'm not going to eat any sweets while you're at the donut shop. (laughs) Don't make a decision that I'm going to stay pure before the Lord. I'm not going to have sexual relations till I get married. 
when you're before Potiphar's wife and she's undressing, not the time to make that decision. You make it on the front end. You make it and make a determination. God, I'm going to get married one of these days, but I make a decision to be a virgin. That's what the word. Wow. Two things that determine our life. Number one, our decisions. Our decisions. And number two, our response to God. Our decisions and our response to God determine your life. They form your life. And and pastoring um, and counseling many people and seeing just lives, I see it so much that just some wrong decisions and not responding to God when God was there prompting the heart caused many heartaches and many things to go the wrong way. But what if you made decisions on the front end and you had God's grace to help you keep those? You know, we're free moral agents. God will not force you to make His choice. He will not force you to make a decision that lines up with what He says that is best for you. He'll not force you. You have a choice. He gives you the power to choose and to make decisions. We have to choose wisely. We have to make wise decisions. We've got to choose to serve God. We've got to choose to believe His Word that is for us today. We have the power to make choices, and our choices will make our life. The choices that you made yesterday are the choices you're living in today. Your response to God yesterday is what you're living in today. Make a decision while you're young to serve God and do what is right in His eyes. You know, the Bible in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 says, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Honor God when you're young. And you can have an awesome life if you remember when you're young your Creator. While your strength is strong. <laughs> While you're, you don't have the cares and, and pressures of life. Make a decision to serve God. Make a, a, a decision that you cannot turn away from. That I'm going to serve you, God. I'm going to honor you. I'm yours. Do it while the greatest pressure on your life is What will be your Facebook picture? Do it while your biggest decision is heels or flats. Skinny jeans or, I don't know why I'm in skinny jeans this morning. Skinny jeans or not. You know, when you don't have the pressure, because the day's coming. A day's coming when you're, you're going to have car payments, house payments. There's going to be a baby crying. And you need to have some decisions made before then. Make them while you're young. Because the decisions you make today 
And the response you have to God will form your life. Will form your tomorrow. It's the same no matter what age you are. But what, you know, I think the greatest testimony is I serve God all the days of my life. That's the greatest testimony. That's a testimony that brings honor to God. I was thinking, you know, it's funny how things change. When you're, when you're 18 or below, everything is just in slow motion. Just kind of moving along. You know, it's just it's slow. I can remember, couldn't wait to be a teenager. Anybody remember those days? 12 years old. They called me Bobby. He said, Somebody say, Bobby, how old are you? Twelve and a half. You don't use that when you're older. I'm twelve going on thirteen. Teenager. I'm almost a teenager. And then once you hit that, you just, you just can't wait, you know. Fourteen. Mm. Fifteen. And then sixteen. I'm going to get a car. I'm going to be on the road. I mean, it's just this excitement. Look out, world. Here I come. It's a different road out there now. I pray over our grandkids. <laughs> Lauren's driving, and she does great. But I, there's protection with the angels. But when I was on the road, I, I'm glad the traffic didn't work. It is right now. My dad had me in his, he said, I want you to learn how to shift. I said, okay. I'm in his old truck, and I, I missed the brake and hit the gas. We took a corner so fast. <laughs> just hanging on the wheel. I looked over at my dad, just glimpsing out. Know, he's just pale. I mean, he is, uh, I immediately just parked the car and got out. <laughs> My dad, to his credit, said, what are you doing? I said, you're driving. <laughs> he said, nope, you are. I am. <laughs> so he made me get back in. But it, it's funny how things are, are slow, but... Then once you hit 18, it's like something changes. There's acceleration. You know, you, you go to sleep and you wake up. I'm 25. What happened? <laughs> and you think it's fast then. Wow. 40, 50. And then you hit 60. go, 60? What? What's going on? 60 years old, Lord Jesus, you must be coming there. <laughs> I'm too cool to be 60. What? <laughs> no. Just what's going on? And time is fasting, it's just like a blur. But what if you, when you were young, made some decisions? I'm going to serve God. I'm going to follow Him. I'm going to be a person of integrity. I believe that's what God wants. And if you haven't made that decision, you're older, make it too. 
I was just thinking about young people. Decisions today laid the groundwork for your future. We got to decide to respond to God. Our responses to God will govern our life. You know, you may not remember the, the sermon a few months from now, but your response to God, God remembers that. <laughs> that, that response that you have to Him will affect the rest of your life. So we need to, when He is tugging on our heart, that's when you make these decisions. Not in the midst of the temptation. Not in the midst of the busyness of life. When God is there, that's what makes these, these services coming together as a church so important because it confirms our commitment and those decisions we made. Also, people are making new decisions. So I trust you, Lord. And it's in that place when God's tugging on your heart that you make those those declarations, you have that mindset, I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. In our response to God. Because, I mean, here we are at Harvest. The, the, the praise and worship's already over. We're moving on in, in the sermon. Uh, let me tell you, the praise and worship is not the most important part of the service. It's important. The sermon is not the most important part of the sermon. It's important, but the most important is your response to God. What are you going to do with what was heard? Or when God was tugging at your heart during worship, what are you going to do with that? That's the most important part. Think about I know when God has stirred my heart that, you know, it's, it's, you could turn it off or you could just abandon your heart. Think about when tears have come to your eyes or it's been the stirring in your heart. You know, what happens to you? Do you just close it off or do you just tighten up or harden your heart some or just want to get away, want to disappear kind of? Or you just go ahead and respond to a loving Heavenly Father. Say, God, have your will. Have your way in my life. That response is so important. What we do. In Matthew chapter 7, it says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. And, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. I want you to notice that the the storm and the rain and this, it, it beat on both houses. But that one that was on the rock or on the narrow way, the one who had made decisions and responded to God was on the rock. 
And when the storm came, they still stood. They had predetermined. They had made their choice. I'm going to stay on the rock. I'm going to stay on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and the Word of God. I'm going to live there. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm going to live on that narrow path. Because there's life there. And when you're walking in life, you can bring light and life to someone else. What do I get from this? A day will come when your decisions and your responses to God will be tested. And you've got to have a mindset, this is it, this is the way, the way it is. There will be a test. It will come. That decision you made will be tested by the enemy and he will come against you to see what you're made of. But see, when you made a decision that there is no turning back, God will honor that and he'll give you grace. He'll give you strength and he'll give you ability to stand in the day of testing. That's when you worship. That's when you get with him. And he gives you his strength. That's why young people, I think it's so important to make that decision early, before the time of testing. You don't want to build your house in a rainstorm. You don't want to be building your house and the flood is coming, the storm is coming. No, have it built on the rock. Have it built where even the storms and the floods, everything comes against it, can't knock it over. Because it's built on the rock of salvation. I want to tell you a story about a man, and um, his name is Carlos Hathcock, and he was a, a Marine sharpshooter in the Vietnam War. And in the 1960s, 65, something like that. He was quite the marksman. They did all these um, contests and competitions uh, in the Marines, and he would win every time. He was highly decorated for his great accomplishments and marksmanship. In fact, he could take uh, his scope and his rifle, and he could hit a target, the bullseye, a mile away. He was, uh, had grown up as a hunter and spent a lot of time in the woods, and he was quite the shot. And one of his favorite people was uh, Sergeant York, if you know anything about him. But anyway, he was in the Vietnam War, and he became uh, one that they would use for special missions. And there was this uh, Viet Cong um, assassin, or marksmanship uh, for the enemy that was taking out key people, Marines. He was killing a lot of people. And they asked, Carlos, we, we want you to go in. We want you to take this mission. And we want you to take this guy out. But he's, he's very good. He's very cunning. Uh, this will be a very dangerous mission. And... Uh, but we, through intelligence, we've located where he's at uh, in, this, in this area. So we want you to go in. And he goes in and 
full fatigue, so the camouflage and all this. And he starts stalking this guy who is picking off Marines and, and killing many soldiers' lives. And, and so he's, he's in there, and through his training and, and through all the disciplines he had learned, he became aware that the person he was stalking knew he was there. And so now you have the stalker stalking the stalker. I mean, they're hunting each other down. And this is, you can imagine how intense this is. But Carlos, one day, he caught just a little bit of glitter in his, in his vision. And he immediately turned a scope straight to where he saw just that little flash of glitter against the sun. And he zoomed in, and sure enough, someone was there. He couldn't, it wasn't real clear, but he knew someone was there, and he shot. He took a shot. And they found the body of this Viet Cong uh, soldier. They found his body. And the bullet that Carlos uh, shot, his bullet went through the lens of the scope that this Viet Cong uh, man was using. It went through the scope and shot him in the eye. Now, that means that they both were scoped in on each other. They both had their crosshairs on each other. And the thing that saved Carlos was he shot first. And really, I think that's what we're kind of talking about here. The enemy has his crosshairs on you. You get your crosshairs on him and know his devices and he's going to come with temptations. He's going to come to test the word and you make a decision on the front end that when he comes, I'll recognize him and I'll not be deceived and I'll not go his way. And, and God will start giving you strategies and to help you stay out of that trap. But you take the first shot. Say, God, I'm yours. My Redeemer lives. My trust is in you. Nothing shall by any means hurt me. And I'll follow you. And I'll make decisions based on your word. And I ask for your grace to open my eyes to any trap that the enemy has set for me. Because I want to serve you for my whole heart. And give you all of my life. What am I doing? I'm taking the shot first. Because I know he's out there. And he's stalking me. But I'm taking the shot first. And there's grace, and there's mercy, and there's power from God coming into my life. See, that's, that's the reason when we gather and God's dealing with you. But there comes a moment in a service where God's speaking to you. The spotlight might be on the stage temporarily, praise and worship, or the sermon for just a little bit. But then the Holy Spirit turns that spotlight from heaven onto your heart. And he starts speaking to you individually. And he's speaking exactly what we need, where we're at. And he's speaking many different sermons. Because I've had people say to me, Pastor, that was a great message. When you said this, and I thought I never said that. But the Holy Spirit spoke it to you. Because the Holy Spirit is ministering to each of us. And it's what you do when he puts the spotlight on your heart. When he's tugging on your heart. It's 
when you make a decision and you take some steps. Say, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to get in the Word of God. I'm going to be a worshiper. I'm, I'm going to make a decision. I will be at church when the doors are open. I'm not going to wait and make a decision. Sunday morning, asking my body, well, how do you feel this morning? I'm not asking. I know how my body's feel. Stay in bed. Stay right here. No, I'm making the decision. Get the crosshairs and shoot the enemy. Let me finish with Carlos, because I thought this was so neat. When he was retiring, or he was set to retire, I said, Carlos, you know, you can retire. We have one more mission. You don't have to take this mission. You've done so much. And he was very honored um, with all his accomplishments. But they said, if anyone else goes, it'll be a suicide mission. So we have no one with your ability. And Carlos, he, he didn't like uh, killing people. He just knew he was protecting his soldiers, his, his friends, and, and the interests of the United States. And so he thought about it and decided to go. He decided, I will take this. And they said, well, this is the most dangerous mission you can imagine. We will send you down a boat, down the delta. We're going to drop you off in the enemy's territory. You'll go through, through the jungle. You'll have to live on your own. You'll be by yourself. You're going to have to live off the land. You're going to have to make your way and to this place, it'll be a field that's 2,000 yards long. At the end of this field, there's a, a little ditch. I call it a, a little trench, maybe. They said it's five inches deep, a five-inch indention. You make it to that ditch, you can set up your rifle and your scope there. And there's a general that we need to take out. He's a mastermind, he's uh, highly intelligent, and he's really inspiring the, the enemy. We need you to take him out. And intelligence is seen that there's a certain time of day he comes out and he will stretch. He'll come out of his bunker and he'll stretch. And that's the time that you can take him out. And he said, okay. So they dropped him off and... He's, he's camouflaged. Um, he's, he, he comes to the field. And you, you've got to understand, you're going across this field. He's crawling. He's crawling. It's being patrolled. And he has to, he hears people around him. But he has to stay perfectly still. And he's crawling across this field. And he said, after three days and three nights... He was exhausted. You think about it, no food. He, he did have a little bit of water. He said he managed to get his canteen and take the little cap and lick up a little bit of water because his tongue had gotten so swollen. Uh, that's not to mention the, the fire um, 
bugs that were eating on him, fire ants and uh, all these bugs, and hey, he's being chewed on and eaten on, and he has to be perfectly still. He just crawls and makes his way. And he said his mind started to flip out. He said after three days, his mind, he started having panic attacks. And his mind was saying, you can't do this. Just quit. Just quit. And they asked him, what caused you to continue on? What was the strength? And he said, I made a decision. I knew the enemy was out there. I knew this was going to be a, a much hardship. But I made a decision that before I took this mission, I would complete this mission. He had a predetermined mindset. And it gave him the strength to continue on. He said that's the way he made that last 200 yards to that trench. And he got to that trench. And at the right moment, he set up. And sure enough, the general came out of the bunker and stretched. And he took him out. And it was a, I think it was 700 yards, this, this shot from the distance. What took him four days to get to, took him four hours to get out. But what am I, if, if it worked there, and this is, it's an interesting read. I mean, he would be, he said he came face to face with snakes. He said all he could do was Pray. Because if you move, you're dead. And you're praying that the snake, and he said the snakes are just looking, they don't look tongues, and just go off. What I'm talking about is the power of a predetermined mindset. I've made my mind up. I've counted the costs. I know there's going to be some persecution. I know some things are not going to always go right. But I trust the Lord anyway. I, you make a decision, I'm going to believe God's word even if I don't see it seemingly like it's working in my life. I'm still going to praise him like it's working because I know it is. I just can't see it. I'm going to worship and bless him no matter what my circumstances are. And you know what? Strength starts coming to you. It's called grace. Empowerment from God to continue on, to march on. He's written a, there is a book about him, uh, by the way. Quality decision. So, here we are at the most important part of the service. Your response to God. What will you do? Keep going the same way you're going, or are you going to respond to Him and let Him put the spotlight on your heart? That you can stay on that pathway of life and blessing because He loves you so much. And you make a decision, you respond to Him, and He changes your life. He gives you his strength, his anointing, his favor, his blessing. I made a decision to never blame God for bad things that happen. 
because I got a revelation from the Word. I made a decision that when I least feel like worshiping Him, I'm going to worship more. You know, we can get in a bad mood so easy. Just spill your coffee in the morning. It doesn't take much, does it? Or car cut off, cut in front of you. And the next thing you know, you're wanting to change the channel to the blues. What if we made a decision, I'm a worshiper and I'm going to worship God. I'm going to stick with Him. I'm going to stay on the narrow path because I know where it's going. It's leading to life. The other path is death. And you make these, these choices. So I want, I'm going to give you an opportunity now to respond to God. No one please moving. This is a, this is a holy moment. We're going to have prayer partners in just a, a, a moment come down. And no matter what your need is, we all need prayer. We all need to come down and get someone to agree with us. You come and let them pray for you. But before we do that, I'm going to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus this morning. If you just all bow your heads. The greatest decision that you can make in this life is accepting Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. Maybe you made this decision before, but you're not living for God. You know your relationship isn't right. You need to get right today. I want you to just pray this prayer from, with me. And then I want you to come down to these prayer partners. Tell them that you accepted the Lord or you got reconnected back with God this morning. And let them pray for you. And then if there's any other need, want you to come and receive from them. Let's all repeat this after me. Dear God, thank you for the cross. Ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. I turn my life completely over to Him. Thank you for the price that was paid. Thank you for the cross. Taking my sins my shame and my guilt. I love you, Lord. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for being there for me. Thank you for always pursuing me. You know, the enemy's been pursuing you, but God has too. And God has won today. God is a winner. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.